Welcome to the Relatable Finance Podcast. Here are your hosts, Joseph Carl and Shane Phillips. Welcome to today's episode of Relatable Finance. We're starting to hear more and more about China's economy in our own newsfeed. That's likely to continue as China's economy grows and becomes more powerful in the world economy. Something that has come even more across our news feeds here recently is Evergrande, a property developer in China, its debt situation and the potential spillover effects into the broader economy. There have even been some comparisons between Evergrande and Lehman Brothers' bankruptcy, which created significant stress in the financial system here in the United States, ultimately leading to the financial crisis. So we thought we would spend some time here to dig in and see what's really going on and whether there's a chance that events in China can impact us here in the United States. China's economy is an interesting one. Some may not believe all the data that comes out of China or will take it with a grain of salt, but here's just a handful of interesting numbers that I thought you should know. China is the second largest economy in the world based upon GDP. China has the largest amount of patent filings in the world, followed by the US. China averaged about 10% growth a year from 1978 through 2014, which is incredible. And even since then has averaged around six to 7% a year. China is the largest emitter of greenhouse gases at about 28% of the global emissions. And lastly, China is the largest foreign owner of US treasuries, which has been brought up as a possible security issue. So this is just a handful of numbers, but it gives you some idea of China's economy. So first let's talk about what has been going on in China for quite some time, which is massive spending and housing development. As everyone knows, China's economy has experienced significant growth in recent decades. And one reason for that is they have massive investment in housing. China has 1.4 billion people, which is a little over four times what we have here in the United States in an effort to bring those individuals more into the city and maximize economic output and advance their economy. They've invested significantly in housing and infrastructure. But in recent months, China has undergone various levels of reform to try and rein in the corporate sector. Some of the recent ones have been increased regulations on tech companies, such as Tencent and Alibaba, and also greater housing reforms to try and make housing more affordable. This had led to somewhat of a cooling of China's economy and also a cooling of the housing market that has actually been much hotter than the housing bubble here in the US that eventually led to the financial crisis. So next, what is Evergrande? Evergrande is one of the largest property developers in China. They also have stakes in various other businesses, such as electric vehicles, sports franchises, healthcare, entertainment. But real estate is a primary line of business, owning over 1,300 real estate projects in China and has built homes for approximately 12 million families. To give you an idea of the amount of property they have under construction, if you take the amount of square footage of real estate the company currently has under construction, it roughly equates to 513 Empire State Buildings. Some signs of concern started to arise earlier this year as Evergrande started to raise equity in various other lines of businesses, suggesting that there were some financial concerns, but trouble really started to emerge when they missed a couple of their debt payments on their bonds. One could think of this as maybe missing a payment on your mortgage or even your credit card. And while it doesn't necessarily mean that things have gone incredibly bad financially, it is a warning sign that their finances are not as strong as one would hope. To make things even more interesting, there have been reports of Evergrande asking its own employees to lend the company money in order to receive their bonuses. Recent reports state that Evergrande has liabilities of $304 billion as of the middle of this year, with $89 billion of debt and 42% of that debt due in less than a year. 
They have $147 billion in accounts payable to contractors and suppliers and other liabilities that includes taxes for roughly $69 billion. Of the $89 billion in debt, around $20 billion of that is U.S. dollar-denominated debt. In September of this year, Evergrande missed payments of $85 million, from which they have a 30-day grace period to repay before default is declared. The company has borrowed money from more than 120 bank and 120 non-bank institutes, and they've built 1.6 million homes that haven't been delivered to homeowners yet. So the question from all this becomes, why is this a big deal? Why are we taking the time to talk about it today? Well, China has been focusing on its residential development as a source of growth for some time. For example, residential investment in China accounts for about 10% of GDP, whereas it accounts for roughly 4% here in the US. Also, Evergrande is one of the biggest developers and largest issuers of high yield debt. Said another way, Evergrande has borrowed a lot of money to help it continue to build highlighted by the numbers that Joe mentioned earlier. These types of things happen from time to time for corporations. They get in the cash crunch and they need to get through it. But the challenge here is that Evergrande is already one of the most indebted corporations and one of the largest issuers of high yield debt. The term high yield is a debt is a general term used for corporations that have a lower credit rating than investment grade and as a result will pay a higher rate on the debt they borrow. And the kicker here is that they are already the most indebted company in China and one of the most indebted companies in the world. To use a simple analogy to see why this is a concern in China, do you think anyone would want to lend to someone who's already borrowed a whole bunch of money and has clearly been taking a risk to do it given that they're a high yield issuer? But the challenge is, given that how big Evergrande is, there are comparisons being drawn to Lehman Brothers here in the United States, which filed for bankruptcy in September of 2008. So let's revisit what happened with Lehman Brothers here in the U.S. Lehman was a major holder of subprime mortgages, which ended up being far worth less than they, many had assumed. If you ever watched the movie The Big Short, it does a great job explaining it. But in short, mortgage brokers gave loans to far more and less creditworthy people than they should have. And so these mortgage-backed securities, which are a pool of many mortgages, were kind of composed of crappy mortgages. Once the economy started to weaken and it became apparent that many were not going to be able to pay on their loans, they ended up being worth far less than what many had expected. And the challenge back then was that when they were negotiating between Lehman and the U.S. government and it failed, and then Lehman also refused to take other potential options from other creditors, Lehman had to file for bankruptcy, which created a cascade of events throughout the financial system in the U.S. and eventually all over the world. In short, the event exacerbated the recession here in the U.S., and we essentially exported that recession all over the world. Given how much China has grown in recent decades and the influence they have over the global economy, combined with how much debt Evergrande has, comparisons are being drawn between Evergrande and Lehman, but it is unlikely to be the case for a couple of reasons. First, the United States is a global consumer, which means we buy a lot of things from other countries. Because of this, a slowdown here in the U.S. can have implications elsewhere. Conversely, China is a more export-driven economy, so they sell more to the other countries than other countries buy from them. Because of this, it is less likely that Evergrande scenario will spill over to the global economy or have an impact here in the U.S. Next, the amount and makeup of debt is different than the Lehman scenario versus Evergrande. When Lehman filed for bankruptcy, it was the biggest and still is the biggest bankruptcy in U.S. history, and its presence in the financial sector 
meant that it was intertwined with various other segments of the economy and financial markets. The announcements caused a run on some money market funds, which forced them to close. Lehman's forced liquidations of collateralized mortgage obligations created devaluation in these securities and pressures elsewhere. While Evergrande does have a lot of debt, that debt is backed by assets such as hard real estate. Evergrande's challenges are somewhat self-imposed as this Chinese government has come out with various regulations and greater restrictions in an effort to rein in the excess debt in the economy. Given the uncertainties that a major bankruptcy can create, and the fact that all economies are still trying to recover from COVID, the government is likely to step in, but not without significant restrictions and challenges for Evergrande. So in conclusion, Evergrande is a massive company and is in a pretty serious cash crunch. They have a significant amount of debt due, and there are concerns that their inability to pay may spill over in the other aspects of the Chinese economy. Given its size, there are further concerns that should Evergrande default on its debt, that the spillover effects could have an impact on the global economy and even us here in the United States, similar to what happened with Lehman Brothers' default in 2008. But given that the large portion of the debt is held in China, the fact that China's economy is more domestically driven, the impact is less likely to be felt elsewhere, or at least to a lesser extent. Further, given the precedent created by Lehman collapse and the fact that the entire global economy is still trying to recover from COVID, it is more likely that China's government will step in and avert a major crisis. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Relatable Finance. If you have any questions, please email us at podcast at probwealth.com or check out our website at relatablefinancepodcast.com. Provenance Wealth Advisors is not a registered broker-dealer and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services, Inc. Securities are offered through Raymond James Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. Investment advisory services are offered through Provenance Wealth Advisors and Raymond James Financial Services Advisors, Inc. Any opinions are those of Relatable Finance Podcast and PWA, and not necessarily those of Raymond James. The information contained in this report does not purport to be a complete description of the securities, markets, or developments referred to in this material. There is no assurance that any of the trends mentioned will continue or forecasts will occur. The information has been obtained from sources considered to be reliable, but Raymond James does not guarantee that the foregoing material is accurate or complete. Any information is not a complete summary or statement of all available data necessary for making an investment decision does not constitute a recommendation. Investment involves risk and you may incur a profit or loss regardless of strategy selected. Diversification and asset allocation do not ensure a profit or protect against a loss. Investing involves risk and investors may incur a profit or loss. Raymond James does not provide tax or legal services. Please discuss these matters with the appropriate professional. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Future investment performance cannot be guaranteed, and investment yields will fluctuate with market conditions. Any examples given in the podcast are for illustration purposes only. Actual investor results will vary.